Chapters fifty one and fifty two of Foul Play by Charles Reed and Dion Boucicault. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Fifty one. At this fearful insult, Helen drew back from her father with a cry of dismay, and then moved toward Hazel with her hands extended, as if to guard him from another blow, and at the same time deprecate his resentment. But then she saw his dejected attitude and she stood confounded looking from one to the other i knew him in a moment by his beard said the general coolly ah cried helen and stood transfixed she glared at hazel and his beard with dilating eyes and began to tremble then she crept back to her father and held him tight but still looked over her shoulder at hazel with dilating eyes and paling cheek as for hazel his deportment all this time went far toward convicting him he leaned against the side of the cave and hung his head in silence and his face was ashy pale when general rolleston saw his deep distress and the sudden terror and repugnance the revelation seemed to create in his daughter's mind he felt sorry he had gone so far and said well well it is not for me to judge you harshly for you have laid me under a deep obligation and after all i can see good reasons why you should conceal your name from other people but you ought to have told my daughter the truth helen interrupted him or rather she seemed unconscious he was speaking she had never for an instant taken her eye off the culprit and now she spoke to him who and what are you sir my name is robert penfold penfold seaton cried helen alias upon alias and she turned to her father in despair then to hazel again are you what papa says i am oh papa papa cried helen then there is no truth nor honesty in all the world and she turned her back on robert penfold and cried and sobbed upon her father's breast oh the amazement and anguish of that hour the pure affection and reverence that would have blessed a worthy man wasted on a convict her heart's best treasures flung on a dunghill this is a woman's greatest loss on earth and helen sank and sobbed under it general rolleston whose own heart was fortified took a shallow view of the situation and moreover helen's face was hidden on his bosom and what he saw was hazel's manly and intelligent countenance pale and dragged with agony and shame come come he said gently don't cry about it it is not your fault and don't be too hard on the man you told me he had saved your life would he had not said the sobbing girl there seaton said the general now you see the consequences of deceit it wipes out the deepest obligations he resumed in a different tone but not with me this is a woman but i am a man and know how a bad man could have abused the situation in which i found you two not worse than he has done cried helen what do you tell me girl said general rolleston beginning to tremble in his turn what could he do worse than steal my esteem and veneration and drag my heart's feelings in the dirt oh where where can i ever look for a guide instructor and faithful friend after this he seemed all truth and he is all a lie the world is all a lie would i could leave it this moment this is all romantic nonsense said general rolleston beginning to be angry 
you are a little fool and in your ignorance and innocence have no idea how well this young fellow has behaved on the whole i tell you that in spite of this one fault i should like to shake him by the hand i will too and then admonish him afterward you shall not you shall not cried helen seizing him almost violently by the arm you take him by the hand a monster how dare you steal into my esteem how dare you be a miracle of goodness self-denial learning and every virtue that a lady might worship and thank god for when all the time you are a vile convicted i'll thank you not to say that word said hazel firmly i'll call you what you are if i choose said helen defiantly but for all that she did not do it she said piteously what offence had i ever given you what crime had i ever committed that you must make me the victim of this diabolical deceit oh sir what powers of mind you have wasted to achieve this victory over a poor unoffending girl what was your motive what good could come of it to you he won't speak to me he is not even penitent sullen and obstinate he shall be taken to england and well punished for it papa it is your duty helen said the general you ladies are rather too fond of hitting a man when he is down and you speak daggers as the saying is and then wish you had bitten your tongue off sooner you are my child but you are also a british subject and if you charge me on my duty to take this man to england and have him imprisoned i must but before you go that length you had better hear the whole story sir said robert penfold quietly i will go back to prison this minute if she wishes it how dare you interrupt papa said helen haughtily but with a great sob come come said the general be quiet both of you and let me say my say to robert you had better turn your head away for i am a straightforward man and i'm going to show her you are not a villain but a madman this robert penfold wrote me a letter imploring me to find him some honest employment however menial that looked well and i made him my gardener he was a capital gardener but one fine day he caught sight of you you are a very lovely girl though you don't seem to know it and he is a madman and he fell in love with you helen uttered an ejaculation of great surprise the general resumed he can only have seen you at a distance or you would recognize him but really it is laughable he saw you somehow though you did not see him and well his insanity hurt himself and did not hurt you you remember how he suspected burglars and watched night after night under your window that was out of love for you his insanity took the form of fidelity and humble devotion he got a wound for his pains poor fellow and you made arthur wardlaw get him a clerk's place arthur wardlaw cried seaton was it to him i owed it and he groaned aloud said helen he hates poor arthur his benefactor then to penfold if you are that james seaton you received a letter from me i did said penfold and putting his hand in his bosom he drew out a letter and showed it to her let me see it said helen oh no don't take this from me too said he piteously general rolleston continued the day you sailed he disappeared and i am afraid not without some wild idea of being in the same ship with you this was very reprehensible do you hear young man 
but what is the consequence you get shipwrecked together and the young madman takes such care of you that i find you well and hearty and calling him your guardian angel and another thing to his credit he has set his wits to work to restore you to the world these ducks one of which brings me here of course it was he who contrived that not you young man you must learn to look things in the face this young lady is not of your sphere to begin and in the next place she is engaged to mr arthur wardlaw and i am come out in his steamboat to take her to him and as for you helen take my advice think what most convicts are compared to this one shut your eyes entirely to his folly as i shall and let you and i think only of his good deeds and so make him all the return we can you and i will go on board the steamboat directly and when we are there we can tell morland there is somebody else on the island he then turned to penfold and said my daughter and i will keep in the after part of the vessel and anybody that likes can leave the ship at valparaiso helen i know it is wrong but what can i do i am so happy you are alive and well how can i punish or afflict a human creature to-day and above all how can i crush this unhappy young man without whom i should never have seen you again in this world my daughter my dear lost child and he held her at arm's length and gazed at her and then drew her to his bosom and for him robert penfold ceased to exist except as a man that had saved his daughter papa said helen after a long pause just make him tell why he could not trust to me why he passed himself off to me for a clergyman i am a clergyman said robert penfold oh said helen shocked to find him so hardened as she thought she lifted her hands to heaven and the tears streamed from her eyes well sir said she faintly i see i cannot reach your conscience one question more and then i have done with you for ever why in all these months that we have been alone and that you have shown me the nature i don't say of an honest man but of an angel yes papa of an angel why could you not show me one humble virtue sincerity it belongs to a man why could you not say i have committed one crime in my life but repented for ever judge by this confession and by what you have seen of me whether i shall ever commit another take me as i am and esteem me as a penitent and more worthy man but i will not deceive you and pass for a paragon why could you not say as much as this to me if you loved me why deceive me so cruelly these words uttered no longer harshly but in a mournful faint despairing voice produced an effect the speaker little expected robert penfold made two attempts to speak but though he opened his mouth and his lips quivered he could not get a word out he began to choke with emotion and though he shed no tears the convulsion that goes with weeping in weaker natures overpowered him in a way that was almost terrible confound it said general rolleston this is monstrous of you helen it is barbarous you are not like your poor mother she was pale and trembling and the tears flowing but she showed her native obstinacy she said hoarsely papa you are blind he must answer me he knows he must i must said robert penfold gasping still then he manned himself by a mighty effort and repeated with dignity i will 
there was a pause while the young man still struggled for composure and self-command was i not often on the point of telling you my sad story then is it fair to say that i should never have told it you but oh miss rolleston you don't know what agony it may be to an unfortunate man to tell the truth there are accusations so terrible so defiling that when a man has proved them false they still stick to him and soil him such an accusation i labour under and a judge and a jury have branded me if they had called me a murderer i would have told you but that is such a dirty crime i feared the prejudices of the world i dreaded to see your face altered to me yes i trembled and hesitated and asked myself whether a man is bound to repeat a foul slander against himself even when thirteen shallow men have said it and made the lie law there said general rolleston i thought how it would be helen you have tormented him into defending himself tooth and nail so now we shall have the old story he is innocent i never knew a convict that wasn't if he found a fool to listen to him i decline to hear another word you needn't excuse yourself for changing your name i excuse it and that is enough but the boat is waiting and we can't stay to hear you justify a felony i am not a felon i am a martyr fifty two robert penfold drew himself up to his full height and uttered these strange words with a sad majesty that was very imposing but general rolleston steeled by experience of convicts their plausibility and their histrionic powers was staggered only for a moment he deigned no reply but told helen that captain morland was waiting for her and she had better go on board at once she stood like a statue no papa i'll not turn my back on him till i know whether he is a felon or a martyr my poor child has he caught you at once with a clever phrase a judge and a jury have settled that they settled it as you would settle it by refusing to hear me have i refused to hear you said helen what do i care for steamboats and captains if i stay here to all eternity i'll know from your own lips and your own face whether you are a felon or a martyr it is no phrase papa he is a felon or a martyr and i am a most unfortunate girl or else a base disloyal one fiddle-dee said general rolleston angrily then looking at his watch i give you five minutes to humbug us in if you can robert penfold sighed patiently but from that moment he ignored general rolleston and looked to helen only and she fixed her eyes upon his face with a tenacity and an intensity of observation that surpassed anything he had ever seen in his life it dazzled him but it did not dismay him miss rolleston said he my history can be told in the time my prejudiced judge allows me i am a clergyman and a private tutor at oxford one of my pupils was arthur wardlaw i took an interest in him because my father michael penfold was in wardlaw's employ this arthur wardlaw had a talent for mimicry he mimicked one of the college officers publicly and offensively and was about to be expelled and that would have ruined his immediate prospects for his father is just but stern i fought hard for him and being myself popular with the authorities i got him off he was grateful or seemed to be and we became greater friends than ever we confided in each other 
he told me he was in debt in oxford and much alarmed lest it should reach his father's ears and lose him the promised partnership i told him i was desirous to buy a small living near oxford which was then vacant but i had only saved four hundred pounds and the price was one thousand pounds i had no means of raising the balance then he said borrow two thousand pounds of my father give me fourteen hundred of it and take your own time to pay the six hundred pounds i shall be my father's partner in a month or two said he you can pay us back by instalments i thought this very kind of him i did not want the living for myself but to give my dear father certain comforts and country air every week he needed it he was born in the country well i came to london about this business and a stranger called on me and said he came from arthur wardlaw who was not well enough to come himself he produced a note of hand for two thousand pounds signed john wardlaw and made me endorse it and told me where to get it cashed he would come next day for arthur wardlaw's share of the money well i suspected no ill would you i went and got the note discounted and locked the money up it was not my money the greater part was arthur wardlaw's that same evening a policeman called and asked several questions which of course i answered he then got me out of the house on some pretence and arrested me as a forger oh cried helen i forgot the clergyman i was a gentleman and a man insulted and i knocked the officer down directly but his myrmidons overpowered me i was tried at the central criminal court on two charges first the crown as they call the attorney that draws the indictment charged me with forging the note of hand and then with not forging it but passing it well knowing that somebody else had forged it well undercliffe the expert swore positively that the forged note was not written by me and the crown as they call it was defeated on that charge but being proved a liar in a court of justice did not abash my accuser the second charge was pressed with equal confidence the note you are to understand was forged that admits of no doubt and i passed it the question was whether i passed it knowing it to be forged how was that to be determined and here it was that my own familiar friend in whom i trusted destroyed me of course as soon as i was put in prison i wrote and sent to arthur wardlaw would you believe it he would not come to me he would not even write then as the time drew near i feared he was a traitor i treated him like one i told my solicitor to drag him into court as my witness and make him tell the truth the clerk went down accordingly and found he kept his door always locked but the clerk outwitted him and served him with the subpoena in his bedroom before he could crawl under the bed but he baffled us at last he never appeared in the witness-box and when my counsel asked the court to imprison him his father swore he would not come he was dying and all out of sympathy with me fine sympathy that closed the lips and concealed the truth one syllable of which would have saved his friend and benefactor from a calamity worse than death is the truth poison that to tell it makes a sick man die is the truth hell that a dying man refuses to speak it how can a man die better than speaking the truth how can he die worse than withholding it i believe his sickness and his death were lies like himself for want of one word from arthur wardlaw to explain that i had every reason to expect a note of hand from him 
the jury condemned me they were twelve honest but shallow men invited to go inside another man's bosom and guess what was there they guessed that i knew and understood a thing which to this hour i neither know nor understand by god he paused a moment then resumed i believe they founded their conjecture on my knocking down the officer there was a reason for you why forgers and their confederates are reptiles and have no fight in them experience proves this but these twelve men did not go by experience they guessed like babies and after much hesitation condemned me but recommended me to mercy mercy what mercy did i deserve either i was innocent or hanging was too good for me no in their hearts they doubted my guilt and their doubt took that timid form instead of acquitting me i was amazed at the verdict and asked leave to tell the judge why arthur wardlaw had defied the court and absented himself as my witness had the judge listened for one minute he would have seen i was innocent but no i was in england where the mouth of the accused is stopped if he is fool enough to employ counsel the judge stopped my mouth as your father just now tried to stop it and they branded me as a felon up to that moment my life was honourable and worthy since that moment i have never wronged a human creature men pass from virtue to vice from vice to crime this is the ladder a soul goes down but you are invited to believe that i jumped from innocence into a filthy felony and then jumped back again none the worse and was a gardener that fought for his employer and a lover that controlled his passion it is a lie a lie that ought not to take in a child but prejudice degrades a man below the level of a child i'll say no more my patience is exhausted by wrongs and insults i am as honest a man as ever breathed and the place where we stand is mine for i made it leave it and me this moment go to england and leave me where the animals more reasonable than you have the sense to see my real character i'll not sail in the same ship with any man nor any woman either who can look me in the face and take me for a felon he swelled and towered with the just wrath of an honest man driven to bay and his eye shot black lightning he was sublime helen cowered but her spirited old father turned red and said haughtily we take you at your word and leave you you insolent vagabond follow me this instant helen and he marched out of the cavern in a fury but instead of following him helen stood stock still and cowered and cowered till she seemed sinking forward to the ground and she got hold of robert penfold's hand and kissed it and moaned over it martyr martyr she whispered and still kissed his hand like a slave offering her master pity and asking pardon martyr martyr every word is true true as my love in this attitude and with these words on her lips they were surprised by general rolleston who came back astonished at his daughter not following him judge of his amazement now what does this mean he cried turning pale with anger it means that he has spoken the truth and that i shall imitate him he is my martyr and my love when others cast shame on you then it is time for me to show my heart james seaton 
i love you for your madness and your devotion to her whom you had only seen at a distance ah that was love john hazel i love you for all that has passed between us what can any other man be to me or woman to you but most of all i love you robert penfold my hero and my martyr when i am told to your face that you are a felon then to your face i say you are my idol my hero and my martyr love the word is too tame too common i worship you i adore you how beautiful you are when you are angry how noble you are now you forgive me for you do forgive me robert you must you shall no you will not send your helen away from you for her one fault so soon repented show me you forgive me show me you love me still almost as much as i love you he is crying oh my darling my darling my darling and she was round his neck in a moment with tears and tender kisses the first she had ever given him ask yourself whether they were returned a groan or rather we might say a snort of fury interrupted the most blissful moment either of these young creatures had ever known it came from general rolleston now white with wrath and horror you villain he cried helen threw herself upon him and put her hand before his mouth not a word more or i shall forget i am your daughter no one is to blame but i i love him i made him love me he has been trying hard not to love me so much but i am a woman and could not deny myself the glory and the joy of being loved better than woman was ever loved before and so i am i am kill me if you like insult me if you will but not a word against him or i give him my hand and we live and die together on this island oh papa he has often saved that life you value so and i have saved his he is all the world to me have pity on your child have pity on him who carries my heart in his bosom she flung herself on her knees and strained him tight and implored him with head thrown back and little clutching hands and eloquent eyes ah it is hard to resist the voice and look and clinging of a man's own flesh and blood children are so strong upon their knees their dear faces bright copies of our own are just the height of our hearts then the old man was staggered was almost melted give me a moment to think he said in a broken voice this blow takes my breath away helen rose and laid her head upon her father's shoulder and still pleaded for her love by her soft touch and her tears that now flowed freely he turned to penfold with all the dignity of age and station mr penfold said he with grave politeness after what my daughter has said i must treat you as a man of honour or i must insult her well then i expect you to show me you are what she thinks you and are not what a court of justice has proclaimed you sir this young lady is engaged with her own free will to a gentleman who is universally esteemed and has never been accused to his face of any unworthy act relying on her plighted word the ward laws have fitted out a steamer and searched the pacific and found her can you as a man of honour 
advise her to stay here and compromise her own honour in every way ought she to break faith with her betrothed on account of vague accusations made behind his back it was only in self-defence i accused mr arthur wardlaw said robert penfold general rolleston resumed you said just now there are accusations which soil a man if you were in my place would you let your daughter marry a man of honour who had unfortunately been found guilty of a felony robert groaned and hesitated but he said no then what is to be done she must either keep her plighted word or else break it for whom for a gentleman she esteems and loves but cannot marry a leper may be a saint but i would rather bury my child than marry her to a leper a convict may be a saint but i'll kill her with my own hand sooner than she shall marry a convict and in your heart and conscience you cannot blame me were you a father you would do the same what then remains for her and me but to keep faith and what can you do better than leave her and carry away her everlasting esteem and her father's gratitude it is no use being good by halves or bad by halves you must either be a selfish villain and urge her to abandon all shame and live here on this island with you for ever or you must be a brave and honest man and bow to a parting that is inevitable consider sir your eloquence and her pity have betrayed this young lady into a confession that separates you her enforced residence here with you has been innocent it would be innocent no longer now that she has been so mad as to own she loves you and i tell you frankly if after that confession you insist on going on board the steamer with her i must take you humanity requires it but if i do i shall hand you over to the law as a convict escaped before his time perhaps i ought to do so as it is but that is not certain i don't know to what country this island belongs i have no right to capture you in strange dominions but an english ship is england and if you set foot on the springbok you are lost now then you are a man of honour you love my child truly and not selfishly you have behaved nobly until to-day go one step farther on the right road call worldly honour and god whose vows you have taken sir to your aid and do your duty oh man man cried robert penfold you ask more of me than flesh and blood can bear what shall i say what shall i do helen replied calmly take my hand and let us die together since we cannot live together with honour general rolleston groaned for this then i have traversed one ocean and searched another and found my child i am nothing to her nothing oh who would be a father he sat down oppressed with shame and grief and bowed his stately head in manly but pathetic silence oh papa papa cried helen forgive your ungrateful child and she kneeled and sobbed with her forehead on his knees then robert penfold in the midst of his own agony found room in that great suffering heart of his for pity he knelt down himself and prayed for help in this bitter trial he rose haggard with the struggle but languid and resigned like one whose death warrant has been read sir said he there is but one way you must take her home and i shall stay here leave you all alone on this island said helen never 
if you stay here i shall stay to comfort you i decline that offer i am beyond the reach of comfort think what you do robert said helen with unnatural calmness if you have no pity on yourself have pity on us would you rob me of the very life you have taken such pains to save my poor father will carry nothing to england but my dead body long before we reached that country i loved so well and now hate for its stupidity and cruelty to you my soul will have flown back to this island to watch over you robert you bid me to abandon you to solitude and despair neither of you two love me half as much as i love you both general rolleston sighed deeply if i thought that said he then in a faint voice my own courage fails me now i look into my heart and i see that my child's life is dearer to me than all the world she was dying they say suppose i send morland to the continent for a clergyman and marry you then you can live on this island for ever only you must let me live here too for i could never show my face in england after acting so dishonourably it will be a miserable end of a life passed in honour but i suppose it will not be for long shame can kill as quickly as disappointed love robert robert cried helen in agony the martyr saw that he was master of the situation and must be either base or very noble there was no middle way he leaned his head on his hands and thought with all his might hush said helen he is wiser than we are let him speak if i thought you would pine and die upon the voyage no power should part us but you are not such a coward if my life depended on yours would you not live you know i would when i was wrecked on whitewater island you played the man not one woman in a thousand could have launched a boat and sailed it with a boat-hook for a mast and helen interrupted him it was nothing i loved you i love you better now i believe it and therefore i ask you to rise above your sex once more and play the man for me this time it is not my life you are to rescue but that which is more precious still my good name ah that would be worth living for cried helen you will find it very hard to do but not harder for a woman than to launch a boat and sail her without a mast see my father michael penfold see undercliff the expert see the solicitor the counsel sift the whole story and above all find out why arthur wardlaw dared not enter the witness-box be obstinate as a man be supple as a woman and don't talk of dying when there is a friend to be rescued from dishonour by living and working die while i can rescue you from death or dishonour i will not be so base ah robert robert how well you know me yes i do know you helen i believe that great soul of yours will keep your body strong to do this brave work for him you love and who loves you and as for me i am man enough to live for years upon this island if you will only promise me two things i promise then never to die and never to marry arthur wardlaw until you have reversed that lying sentence which has blasted me lay your hand on your father's head and promise me that helen laid her hand upon her father's head and said 
i pledge my honour not to die if life is possible and never to marry any man until i have reversed that lying sentence which has blasted the angel i love and i pledge myself to help her said general rolleston warmly for now i know you are a man of honour i have too often been deceived by eloquence to listen much to that but now you have proved by your actions what you are you pass a forged check knowing it to be forged i'd stake my salvation it's a lie there's my hand god comfort you god reward you my noble fellow i hope he will sir sobbed robert penfold you are her father and you take my hand perhaps that will be sweet to think of by and by but no joy can enter my heart now it is broken take her away at once sir flesh is weak my powers of endurance are exhausted general rolleston acted promptly on this advice he rolled up her rugs and the things she had made and robert had the courage to take them down to the boat then he came back and the general took her bag to the boat all this time the girl herself sat wringing her hands in anguish and not a tear it was beyond that now as he passed robert the general said take leave of her alone i will come for her in five minutes you see how sure i feel you are a man of honour when robert went in she rose and tottered to him and fell on his neck she saw it was the deathbed of their love and she kissed his eyes and clung to him they moaned over each other and clung to each other in mute despair the general came back and he and robert took helen shivering and fainting to the boat as the boat put off she awoke from her stupor and put out her hands to robert with one piercing cry they were parted End of chapters fifty one and fifty two